Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, what's up, Coastline Nights? Good to see you guys. So good to be here. Great, great, great to be here. And Lucas is partially right. Pastor Lucas is partially right because I did really want to talk about this topic. And part of the reason why I want to do that is because I don't say this every week. I just want you to know that. But this sermon, this topic, this insight could transform your life in a powerful way. So this would be a good one to take some notes on, to make mental notes of. This would be a good one to look back on. It's foundational. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily because I wrote it, but it's because it's a truth that exists in Scripture, and it explains a lot about us. It explains a lot about why we struggle with the stuff we struggle with, why life happens to us the way that it does, and what we can pursue, what we can be looking for um, as we walk with the Lord. I'm going to talk tonight about finding freedom. And that may seem like uh, the slogan for a drug rehabilitation uh, program, and it's, and, and it's not. I just believe that there are areas in our lives where God wants to unlock something for us. And we can live with a greater sense of our personal potential, all that God has for us and has called us to in a brand new way. So I'm really excited. So we're in this series, Family Vibes, and we're really looking at our values and um, if, you, if you poke around on our website, if you look at any of our videos online, you'll find that there's really four main pillars that we function with uh, under a very strong conviction that we want to help people take steps in these areas. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose, and we want you to make a difference. Does that not sound like a great path to a very fulfilling life? And there's many, many steps along the way to that, but we're always keeping those ideas in mind. And I think one of the things that is important to talk about is this idea of how does a person actually live in freedom? How do we live in freedom? So I want you to know this. Jesus didn't just come to save you, but to make you free. And that's where you say amen. Amen. He didn't come just to save you. He came to make you free. He has much more in store for you than just a pass to heaven, right? There's much more to life than that, much more that God has for you. So I'm feeling kind of fatherly tonight. Is that all right? I'm feeling like I just want to love you, put my arms around you. Can I do that? You're like, back off. I have space. I have boundaries. I just want to love you. I just want to tell you that it's my heart Not that you would get lost in what I'm saying tonight, but that something might spark inside of you in a way that gives you a greater sense of the joy and the freedom that belongs to you as a follower of Jesus. 
So, um, you know, we've talked through some of these values already. We've talked about knowing God and about, um, about faith in Christ and love for people. Um, you would have heard last week about Epaphras, which is really this, this, um, this character that we can hang the idea of kind of stepping into our purpose, discovering our purpose like he did. And today I want to talk about finding freedom. So I want you to know Paul, we're in Colossians, and Paul is speaking to the church there in, in Colossae. And as he's speaking to them, he's already taken the whole first chapter of Colossians to explain to them the amazing transformation and the amazing salvation they have received in Jesus. And there's some really beautiful, beautiful uh, pictures in there. And so now we get to chapter 2. And he's building on the idea that they would know God, that they would know God through Christ, that they would be saved and reconciled and healed and empowered and Jesus triumphs and Jesus has given them victory, okay? So he, he starts here in verse six. Take a look at it with me. He says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so hey, you, you, you're saved, right? Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So there's more to it than just making Christ Lord. Now I'm going to live my life in him. And here's what he says that looks like. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Man, that's a pretty beautiful and abundant picture. Do you see? It's kind of, it's kind of this life plus. It's rooted, established, overflowing, uh, uh, living in the strength of your faith and, and, and thankful. But what I want you to see in this verse is that freedom is expressed in these unique words. Continue to live your lives in him. And, and when you're free, this is what it looks like. Rooted, built up, strengthened in your faith, um, overflowing with thankfulness. So in other words, freedom means you have the power to live your life in him. A lot of us live our lives, but we're not necessarily living our lives in him. We're here in this building and it's really nice to be here and, and we can worship and we can be here, but then we go out there and we live our lives in us, in culture, in some sort of idea, in, in a building, in a university, in a workplace or whatever. But, but the challenge here is that you can actually live your lives in him. That's what freedom looks like. I don't have to leave Jesus here, I can take him with him. In fact, he wants to lead me and, and I can hide my life in him. This is what the life of freedom begins to look like. What a beautiful picture here. Rooted, built up, strengthened, overflowing with thankfulness. But here's where the tension comes in, right? If Christians would reflect honestly on hearing this passage, if they were to reflect honestly on on what I just said. They might have to say, you know, Andy, honestly, I, I feel a little more tossed around than rooted. I feel a little more unsure rather than built up. I feel, I feel weak, not necessarily strengthened. I feel like I'm losing at times instead of overflowing with thankfulness. So the question is, why? Why is it that life feels that way? Why is it that even as a Christian, we can be broken, addicted, angry, mean-spirited, rude, controlling. Do I need to go on? Why is it that these things can be in existence in our lives if we've truly been like Pastor Lucas read, if we've been transformed, if we have become a new creation? Why is all this old creation stuff still here? And this is the real point of understanding why you have to walk into freedom. Maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian. And you go, I've met those Christians, those rude ones, 
those, those angry ones, those judgmental ones, those control. I've met those Christians. And so I want to tell you why it's possible. If you're a Christian, and even if you're not, why it's possible that Christians sometimes look this way. It's because you can be saved and not really free. That's why. And my concern is that some of you have said a prayer and you've ex- accepted the lordship of Jesus in your life on some level. You've said, I, I connect my life to Jesus. You would even claim the title of Christian if you're in the right environment. But there's not freedom in your life. There's not a sense of this overflowing thankfulness, this rootedness, this built up, this strength. It's not present because you can be saved and still not be free. And that's why Paul continues. After this verse about being rooted and overflowing, here's what he says. See to it that no one takes you captive. The King James Version says, see to it that no one spoils you. And that spoiling is like rotten meat, like something stinks. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world rather than on Christ. If you go back to verse 6, he said, live your lives in him. Now he's describing a life that's being lived outside of him, and it's lived in this way. Philosophy, human tradition, elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. Man, this verse is actually incredibly insightful. It's telling us, listen, you can be on your way to heaven, yet living on earth as though you are a captive. Man, that seems like a shame to me, hey? It doesn't seem like the gospel. It doesn't seem like the good news of Jesus Christ. It's interesting because this eighth verse, I think, it's so powerful Because it really begins to define some of the things that want to take us captive. Things that want to enslave us. And if we look carefully at the words in this verse, you'll discover some of those things. And and let me explain them to you. This, This verse offers amazing insight. So it starts by saying, see to it that no one takes you captive. See to it that no one, no one, no one. In other words, people can take you captive. You get around the wrong people, and all of a sudden you're bound up in something that you wish you wish you weren't bound up in. You start doing things you don't want to do. You start, you start thinking about yourself in a different way. You start redefining your values, your morals. Next thing you know, you've been taken captive. See to it that no one takes you captive because people can take you captive. It goes on to say you can be captive through deceptive philosophy. To me, that says a wrong perspective can take me captive. I start thinking differently. I start grabbing my philosophies from the current culture, and all of a sudden, I'm captive to that. And he he goes on to say, and and these these depend on human traditions. And when I think about tradition, I think about the past, because we establish traditions, and then we live them out. And so your past can actually take you captive. Something that's happened, something that you do, something that haunts you, something that comes back to you. And some of you are going like, oh man, I thought this was a sermon on freedom. Listen, it is. Just stay with me. You need to understand what Jesus wants to free you from. 
and where he wants to take your life. You see, Paul says that this captivity happens because there are spiritual forces. Did you know that? There are spiritual forces at work in the world and they're working against you. You right now are in a battle. You're in a battle and that battle is based on how your freedom will be established in your life. But here's the good news. Jesus wants you free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And when you start understanding what Jesus said about himself, and then you start reading other things in the scripture where he starts talking about truth and he starts talking about himself as the son and, and he starts talking about himself as the gate. And basically what he's saying is, I'm your pathway. I'm your pathway. Jesus is your pathway. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then in John 8, 32, he says, then you will know the truth, talking about himself, and the truth himself will set you free. Set you free. This is all about freedom, friends. And then just a few verses later, he's talking to the Pharisees here, and he's trying to help them get out of their, you know, their religion, which actually is a, is a is slavery to them. And he says to them, so if the son, meaning himself, sets you free, you will be free. Come on, everybody, say it with me. Indeed. You'll be free indeed. You see, this is the gospel. It's not you will be saved and barely make it through life. It's going to be terrible, but then you'll die and you can go to heaven. That's not the plan here. The plan is freedom. The plan is an overcoming life. The plan is blessing. And so Paul teaches the Galatians this. He says in Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. It doesn't say it's for salvation that Christ saved you. It says it is for freedom that Christ set you free. And so let's be more than saved. Let's be all that God has intended us to be. And, and how do we hang on to that? Look at the rest of the verse. It says, stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. Man, he's telling them captivity is real. Understand, everywhere you go, there's an opportunity to be enslaved. Everywhere you go, there's an opportunity to be captive to something. Unless you're living your life in him, you can be captivated. He uses this term of a yoke, and a yoke is an agricultural term where you would put two animals of equal size and strength together to create double the strength in pulling a cart and plowing a field, whatever. But he uses that analogy to help you see, like, you can be you can be. Um, harnessed to slavery, captive. And this is what Paul warns us against. Why? Because Jesus didn't come just to save you, but to make you free. So don't, so don't stay a captive. Don't become a captive. Stand firm against the one who wants to take you captive. John 10.10, Jesus says this, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Not a good picture. But then on the other side, Jesus says, I've come that they, speaking about you, may have life. And not just life, but have it to the full. Guys, I want you to know that the Christian life is a life that's supposed to be lived to the full. And the full life of Jesus is a life of freedom where you're not enslaved, you're not living in brokenness, you're not living in regret, you're not waking up the same day with the same addictions and same brokenness and same anger and same habits, 
But let me explain to you why this life of freedom is so very important and why it's not just automatic for us, okay? Because the truth is, God, the way we understand God, is that God is a triune being. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, I see some nodding of heads, and I have one hand. Bless you, man. Oh, there's another one. Okay, we got a few Trinity folks in the building. So, so that's known as the Trinity, okay? And that's a, a theological position that we carry. That's God. He, he is co-equal. He exists together in harmony, in perfection. But he expresses himself in these three unique persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And you created in his image, are also a triune being. You are body, soul, and spirit. Now, you're an imperfect example of your perfect God, but you are one who bears his image. Body, soul, and spirit. And so let's get to what Pastor Lucas read to you just a little bit earlier. He said that when you become a Christian, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He said that. What's that referring to? Well, if you are body, soul, and spirit, let's understand this. When you become a Christian, when you bow your knee to Jesus and you accept him, your spirit is made perfect. In fact, you are ready for heaven like that. Why? Because you're a new creation. But see, here's the challenge. And here's why we need freedom. Because you still live in a body. And that body has yearnings. That body has longings, and that body has a way of expressing itself to you, and what it wants, it wants. Anybody ever been hungry before? Yeah, exactly. The body will revolt if it doesn't get what it wants. So you have this body, this flesh. You live in it. You have the spirit inside of you that's made perfect. And then kind of in the middle of those two, you have a soul. And the soul is where you have your will and where you have your emotions and where you have your, your passion and your desire, it, it, it lives in the soul. So I want you to see this. The body, it's perishing. You ain't taking it with you, right? It's here as a house for you to live in. You have your body, and over here you have your spirit, eternal, fit for heaven when you accept Christ. And right in the middle is your soul, and it's like a tug-of-war rope. It's being stretched one way or the other. And whatever is stronger, the flesh or the spirit, will win the battle for the soul. It's pulled one way or the other. So its will is determined on what is stronger. If the flesh is stronger, the soul wants what the flesh wants. If the spirit is stronger, the soul wants what the spirit wants. Are you, are you seeing me? seeing this. So when you understand that, you realize that you can be saved. Your spirit is perfect. You don't need any more spirit work, but your soul and your body need freedom. And so that's why you can be on your way to heaven and still a really grumpy person that no one likes to be around. Right? So once we begin to understand that, we realize that that can't be the life that God wants for us. God doesn't want us to have a spirit life that's ready for heaven and we live like hellishly. That's not what God wants for us. He has something better for us, doesn't he? Yes. yes, Pastor Andy, he does. And that's really good preaching. And I'm very encouraged and challenged, motivated, inspired, all at the same time. Oh. Just teasing. But I have more good news for you. 
We talked about these three things, about people being able to take you captive, a wrong perspective in your past. But I want to tell you this, the things that the enemy uses to enslave you, Jesus will use to free you. That's so good, I'm going to say it again. The things the enemy uses to enslave you, Jesus will use to free you. Jesus will use to free you. See, the wrong people will lead you to captivity, but Jesus will use the right people to help you live free. Hey, isn't that, man, I just want you to think about that. The enemy says, listen, you got hurt by people, things went sideways, you had a bad relationship, or maybe you're just nervous about people, a little insecure. And so the enemy comes in, he says, don't trust anybody. Stay on your own, push away from relationship. And he has you as a captive. And he says, here's some wrong people to have in your life. But listen, I want you to know, the truth is you need godly friends in your life. And godly friends will support you and help you to live a godly life. And so that's why we pump small groups. That's why we say you need a small group. That's why some of you need to stop sitting there and lead a small group. Amen, Pastor Lucas? Because people need godly relationship. Listen, I want you to know, man, the path to freedom is honesty. You have to find a place where you can be honest. And I want you to know the best place to be honest is not in this room. Please don't be too honest with us. It's not, it's not easy to be honest in this kind of environment. It's very easy to come in and go out and have nothing revealed about you. This is not a great environment for vulnerability. But a small group is. We sit with people who know you and who love you and who support you and surround you. And you can say, man, I've never told anybody this, but man, this has eaten me up inside and I've been struggling with this for years and I just wanna be free from it. And they get around you and they pray for you and God does something to unlock your future. Man, that's the life of freedom. And that's why James says it so beautifully. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see, you you confess your sin to Jesus and you're saved, but when you get vulnerable with people and you share your need and you share your brokenness and you share in vulnerability, man, you get healing. And a healed life is a free life. And you get around godly people. I, I said you get around the right people and Jesus will use those right people to help you step into freedom. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This verse says, wow, man, that's the life of freedom. I want somebody, I want a godly friend who can pray for me, who I can be honest with, who can support me. I need that. So you know what? Jesus will use the right people to help you get free. He said that, you know what? Your wrong perspective will lead you into captivity, but God has, a, has an ability to transform your mind. Did you know that? He has a capacity to transform your mind. That's what the Bible says. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The the New Living Version says, by changing the way you think. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Really? I'm, I'm stopping here on purpose. Did you know that you're not stuck with your thoughts? Did you know that you're not a prisoner to your mind? Did you know that you get to choose what you think about? 
Some of us feel so victimized by the, the playlist in our mind. It just plays over and over again. It's like it's on repeat all the time. We wake up, it's there. We go to bed, that it's there. But the promise of God is that there's another option. I don't have to be controlled by my perspective. And with God's help, I can change the way I think. And I can even choose what I'm going to think about. Man, that's empowering. And here's where I'll take you to the word because I don't want you just to have to believe me. It's in 2 Corinthians 5.10. You know, um, Paul is talking about all of this false doctrine that's going around, all these wrong ideologies that are playing out in the culture. And he says, you know what we do? Me, Paul, and my posse, you know what we do? We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, you can say, I'm not going to think that way. And that's true because it rhymes. Man, are you guys awake? That was a joke. Seriously. You can say, I'm not going to think that way. Did you know that you can actually say, no, uh -uh. I'm not going there. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to go down that mental rabbit trail. I'm not going to get in that loop. No. I'm going to think on different things. I want you to really bump the person beside you because I think they might be asleep and tell them, you can say I'm not going to think that way. You can say it. I'm not going to think that way. Let me take a minute and be practical. I want to teach you how to choose what you think because you can how to choose what you think. I want to teach you this. I'll give you four thoughts on this, okay? Really quick. You get to choose what you think, and, and, and let me help you understand how. First thing is, let God's word wash your mind. Let God's word wash your mind. Did you know that God's word actually does cleanse you? It cleanses your brain as you read it. Think about all the junk we take in. Think about all the conversations we have to filter. Think about all the words we hear and all, all the, the, the shock and awe and the trauma that we experience. Man, we need something that's going to combat that. And I want you to know that God's word will wash your mind. In fact, when, when Paul was talking about this beautiful relationship between Jesus and the church, the groom, Jesus, and the bride, the church, he gives us this incredible imagery where we see this washing taking place. And here's what it says. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Jesus washes us, and, and the washing comes through the word, and he presents himself, he presents her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Man, if you let God's word wash your mind, you will think differently. And not only that, you'll be empowered to choose what you're going to think about, because the word of God is washing over your mind. Okay, this is a really important one, this next one, Okay. That one's super important. Okay, fine, they're all important. But that, that last one about the word is super important. But this is really key, I think, for you guys, okay? And here's what it is. Be careful about what you're agreeing with. Um, you know, when we, look at, when we look at the biblical narrative and we go way back to the beginning, we see the devil as a liar. He's always lying. He lies to Eve about the, the fruit, he, he lies throughout history. The Bible says he's the accuser. He's the father of lies. 
And so I want you to know that if you're not careful, you'll agree with the liar. You can agree with his lies because he's sneaky, right? And so I want you to know you need to be careful about what you agree with. As you, as you um, scroll through your social media feed, be careful about what you agree with. Be very careful. As you take in media and movies, be careful about what you agree with. You may not even know. It may not even feel conscious. It may be subconscious, but you're like agreeing with it. Oh, man, I'd like that kind of a life. I would like that kind of wealth. I would like that kind of sex. I would like that kind of relationship. I would like that kind of influence. I would like to be so BA that I could take all these guys out and just be standing there in a cloud of dust like, Was that a good move? Uh, Cue the smoke machine. But be careful what you're agreeing with. Be careful what you're agreeing, agreeing with when you watch that documentary and you just know it has an agenda. Be careful. Be careful about what you're agreeing with when you, when you listen to uh, politicians talking. Be careful about what you're agreeing with when you watch the news as though the news has no agenda or no leaning. Be careful about what you're agreeing with when you're talking to other people who seem to have it all together, but in reality, they're out to lunch. Be careful. You get to choose what you think, and you are not a victim. Listen, we're in a season in our culture where disagreeing is seen as hate. Don't buy into that garbage, man. You have a brain and it's being renewed. Your mind is being renewed by, by Christ. So at some point, the spirit in you is going to go, uh-uh, I cannot agree. That's not hate. That's not hate. You're allowed to disagree. Lovingly, caring for people and, and caring for others' opinions and, 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 and being kind and, 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 and generous. But I don't have to agree. Because if I do, I'm agreeing with madness. And so let's be careful about what we agree with. That's one way to protect your mind and to walk into freedom, about choosing what you think. Add confession to your prayer life. That's another one. Add confession to your prayer life. And when, I, when I'm saying confession, a lot of us go, God, I really screwed up today. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. That's a good confession, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about saying sorry for your sin, although please do that. That's a good thing. Repentance is good for the soul. You've heard that. Mm. But what I'm talking about is a good confession. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus stood before Pilate and he made a good confession. He made the good confession. What is the good confession? It's that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And, and here's what I want I to encourage you to do. There are times where you may feel confused, you may feel perplexed, you may feel um, uh, upset or angry or sad or, you know, lonely, and, and you would have a tendency at that point. That's when you're most susceptible to agree with the enemy, but I want to encourage you in those moments, make the good confession. Make the good confession. Jesus, you're exactly who you said you are. And, and, and you know what I do sometimes when I'm in those moments? Because those moments are real. I'll step up and I'll just say right out loud, here's what I know to be true. I start there, man, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth will set me free. Here's what I know to be true. God is good. God loves me. 
I am his child. I have been redeemed. My home is heaven. I am not a victim. I am a victor, right? Uh, No weapon formed against me will prosper. I can be the head and not the tail. I, uh, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I begin to start there. That's the good confession. And that begins to change the way I think. That's your good confession. And then the fourth thing is this. This is from Lisa, Pastor Lisa. She um, makes all of her children, including her husband, <clears throat> reflect on this one at times. And that's that you can use Philippians 4.8 as a filter for your thoughts. And um, Philippians 4.8 is this verse where you're going like, Andy, this is really good. It's a little bit like Tony Robbins. Thanks for the pep talk, right? But no, this is rooted in scripture, friends. In fact, let me, let me show you where the Bible gives you permission to choose what you think. It says it right here. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does it say? Think about such things. Man, you can choose what you think, friends. And now in closing, you know, we've talked about your past, your past wanting to hold you captive. But here's what I I want you to know is that Jesus can use your past to shape your future. And this is so encouraging. So as I'm closing, here's what I I want you to think about. Jesus healed a lot of people in the Bible. And there's one place in particular in John chapter 5 where Jesus heals a paralyzed man. And when he heals this paralyzed man, he does something very unique. When he heals him, he says to him something and he gives him a task to do in the midst of his healing. And so I want to read it with you. It's the last verse we're reading tonight. It's in John chapter 5, 8 and 9. It says, then Jesus said to him, he already healed him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. You see, I want to be really careful because I know some of you are sitting here and and you say, Andy, my past is so painful. I have had so much woundedness and brokenness and trauma in my past. And, And what I want to say to you is that with all of my heart, I feel compassion for you and I want only God's goodness for you. But when you feel like there's pain in your past, You have a tendency to want to look at the past and say, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to destroy it. And can you imagine that paralytic bed where the now healed, once paralyzed guy was laying? What would he want to do with that? He would want to destroy it. He wouldn't want to have anything to do with it at all. I'm running away from that thing because these legs work now. I don't want to identify with that brokenness. I want to be this guy. But what does Jesus say? No, 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 no. Go over there. Roll it up and put it under your arm and walk away. Why? Because Jesus wants to take your past and he wants to use your past to shape your future. And, and, and what healing looks like for us, guys, is not that we forget about the past, but that Jesus heals us so beautifully that we can pick it up 
and tuck it under our arm. And although it's still with us, it's now no longer the bed that we lie on and we're broken in. It's now the testimony that we carry with us. We hold it. It's the story we tell. Look what Jesus did. I used to lay right here. Now here I am. And I just want you to see that for your own life. Listen, the pathway forward in the brokenness, in the pain, is often that Jesus heals you so that you can bear it. And when you bear it, God gets glory, you get healing, and the testimony of Jesus goes forward. Let me pray for you. Bow your heads with me for just a minute. I want to pray with you, and I want to believe that Jesus can do something really beautiful with your life. I want you just to imagine for a moment, walking out of this room completely free, as though you have lightened yourselves of all that you came in here with that was heavy on your shoulders, heavy in your heart, deep in your soul, the places that you feel broken and misunderstood and lost. Just offering all of that to Jesus. I want you just to imagine that for a moment. I want you to stand to your feet with me. And as you stand to your feet, just if you wouldn't mind, just remain with your heads bowed and and just reflect with me for a minute. You know, when I was writing this sermon, I felt like the Lord said to me, uh, tell them that it's like a pebble in their shoe. Have you ever had a pebble in your shoe? It's annoying. It's not going to kill you, but it's annoying. And that pebble in your shoe, it's like, you know, when I get a pebble in my shoe, I'm really good at, like, just kind of shaking my foot, move it to the side, or, or wiggle my toes and get it, like, under my toes right there where it can just kind of hang out a bit. Why don't we stop and take it out? Because we're kind of like, I'm doing fine. I'm all right. I can still walk. And it was, like, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, listen, you're here today, and that area of your life, you're functioning fine with your lack of freedom. You're doing fine with your life. But the call from Jesus is to sit down, take off your shoe, get the rock out, and be free. Don't be satisfied to live a lesser life than what God has for you. Let God free you. Let him liberate you. Walk in abundance. You know, um, just a few weeks ago, you would have seen a video from Ian telling his story about how he had fallen into a bad place and suffered with drugs and came to a place of addiction and, and desperation that led to attempt of suicide and how he prayed, he cried out to God. And in that moment when he cried out to God, God touched him. He came back to being completely sober and just began to bathe himself in the Lord. It was powerful and dramatic. And, and he's here tonight to pray for you. It's beautiful. He's brave for telling his story to us. And why do I bring us back to that story? Because he prayed a simple prayer and God met him 
Is that going to be your story? Are you going to simply say a prayer and everything's going to change? I, I can't guarantee you that, but here's what I know. Don't underestimate the power of a single prayer. <laughs> it can be powerful, transformative. So let me pray for you now. And you pray too. Agree with me. And let's let the Lord do his work of freedom. So, Father in heaven, I thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. That who the Son sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, Holy Spirit, would you wash over this beautiful crowd of amazing people? I thank you for each life. And Lord, there is, I have absolute confidence in your ability to know each person individually, specifically, the aspects of their journey, the struggles of their soul, the brokenness, the loss, the pain, the places where they feel bound up, where they haven't been made free. And I pray in Jesus' name that tonight the chains that the enemy has put up upon them would be broken. In the name of Jesus. No more captivity, no more yoke of slavery as we read tonight. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that who the Son sets free would be free indeed. And tonight I declare in Jesus' name across all who are here, you are free in Jesus' name. Receive your freedom. Receive your freedom. Receive your freedom and begin to walk it out rooted, strengthened in faith overflowing with thankfulness. Yes, Lord, we pray for that in the name of Jesus. And we ask, oh God, that you would allow hope to be birthed in our hearts, that this is a new day for us and we will live in freedom. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.